Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. This series called uh, Breaking the Drought, uh, I want to talk this morning. I've, I've entitled this morning's message, Go Ahead, not Go Ahead and Make My Day, for you Clint Eastwood fans, but Go Ahead, Get Your Hopes Up. Go ahead and get your hopes up. One of the hardest things, I believe, is to hope in hopeless situations. And well-meaning people, they're out there. They mean well. And they will tell you this, just don't get your hopes up. And that could be with uh, something you believe in God for, with finances, with healing, with uh, relationships, perhaps, you know, you, you, you've been believing for Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright to come along, and it's just taking a long time, perhaps, you're here, and you're believing for a family and, and a baby, uh, you, you, you're here believing for something, you've got expectations, and, and one of the worst things in life, I believe, is to get an unrealized expectation. Have you ever been there? So we don't want to get set up. We don't want to get our hopes up, because if it doesn't happen, it's not going to be a feel-good. It just feels so lousy when you're believing for something, you're hoping for something, you've got an expectation that doesn't happen. It can go all the way back to when we were, uh, you know, five years old, having a birthday party, and you're expecting, for me, I expected to get that jungle gym knife set. Uh, Jungle Jim was one of my favorite heroes back before superheroes. And so there were, there were knife sets that you could get, not real knives, but plastic knives, and, you know, a whole array of things. And there was Tarzan stuff that you could get for your birthday or Christmas, really cool stuff. There was the Man from Uncle uh, spy set, kind of an espionage thing when that came out, that television series. There were so many cool things that you could believe for as a child, but if, if you didn't get it on your birthday or Christmas, what a crushing thing it was. It was terrible when the socks came out of the, uh, you know, you're, you're unwrapping your Christmas presents and underwear and socks. Save a bit of money. We'll just call that a Christmas present. Not. So we're taught don't get our hopes up. And encouraging people are discouraged from getting other people's hopes up. And nobody likes to have unrealized expectations, unanswered prayer, people who let us down. All of these hurt and disappoint and cause us to back off of our expectations. But people without hope are people with nothing to look forward to. No feeling of anticipation is nowhere to live. No real basis for faith. In fact, the Bible makes this statement. It says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. So I want you to go with me over to Acts chapter 3, and this is, uh, this, is one, this is the first major miracle after Pentecost for the early church. Jesus is gone. He's seated at the right hand uh, of God in heaven, and they've had their Pentecostal experience in Acts chapter 1 where the Holy Spirit uh, moved upon the 120. We're in the upper room. And it was an amazing thing. There were uh, uh, like cloven tongues like a fire that appeared upon them. And they began to speak in languages and dialects. And it spilled out into the street. It was a major miracle, an outpouring of the Spirit of God who said, I will dwell upon uh, all flesh now. I've been with you, but now I'm going to be in you. And so God's, God's Spirit was poured out. And then things started to happen. And this is one of the first 
major miracles recorded without Jesus present. It says in verse 1, uh, Acts chapter 3, on that day, one day, sorry, just an ordinary day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. I don't know about you, but 3 in the afternoon is a very lazy time of the day for me. It's like I've got brain drain. I feel like taking a nap. 3 in the afternoon, if you've eaten lunch, it's like your stomach is digesting. Your brain doesn't have any blood. It's just an ordinary day. It's 3 in the afternoon. Nothing is supposed to happen at 3 in the afternoon just on an ordinary day. But verse 2, now a man who was lame from birth. Now we find out later uh, in this account that the man was over 40 years old. So think about this. He has been lame. He can't walk for over 40 years. And he was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. So picture this man. He certainly wouldn't have his hopes up in a big way. After 40 years, he's probably just accepted, this is just my lot in life. This is the way it is. If anybody uh, was not going to expect anything at all, it would have been this man. This man is used to it. People carry him. He's got the routine down. God bless those people that carried him. I don't know if they were family members or good friends or he had to pay them, but, but, but people carried him to this particular place. So basically he could make a living every day. He needed to go there and beg. And when he saw Peter and John, about to enter. They're about to enter a beautiful gate. It's a beautiful gate with an ugly situation. This man's life is anything but beautiful going on with him. He's a beggar. Have you ever met anybody that begs? I've been in some pretty bad countries with third world and seen the life of beggars, and it's not something that I would uh, exchange my life for ever. What a terrible place to be, begging. I've seen people begging in the middle of winter in, uh, in St. Petersburg and other cities in Russia where it's just bitter, bitter cold, and they're just all rugged up. And even New York City in the middle of winter, and they're all rugged up, and you just see this, this weathered hand sticking out there just begging for somebody, please drop a few coins, please, so that I can get something to eat. And, and it's a terrible place to be, begging for 40 years. This is this man's life. There is no hope in his life. And he sees Peter and John going into a beautiful place, a beautiful gate that he can't enter into because of his infirmity. In verse 4, Peter looks straight at him. Now, I've got to admit, there are so many beggars in some of the cities that I've been in that I don't look at them at all. It's such a hard thing because you want to look at every one of them and you just want to go to your you know, ATM machine and, and empty your bank account out and just give them everything that you've got, but it's not even going to make a dent. And there's just so many of them in America in particular in all the major cities. They're, they're outside of Denny's restaurants. They're, out, they're everywhere. And it becomes such a... a, a uh, a trap almost with your, with your heartstrings. If you look at them and you engage with them, your heart just melts. It's like, I can't do anything. What am I going to do? I don't even, I've given away everything I've got. Now, now there's another one and another one. And so you become, you can become 
uh, very nonchalant and very callous about looking at people that have such a need, and you're about to enter into a, a beautiful place. And so the man gave them his attention. Peter said, uh, look at us before that. The man gave him his attention. And I want you to get this. Expecting to get something. Now, the something that he was expecting to get, obviously, was money. But what he ends up getting, we're going to see here, isn't money. But he was expecting to get something. There was an area in this man's life that even after 40 long years of begging, he still had an ember there. He still had a spark. There was still a candle burning there. He still had the ability at least to expect something. I believe that this, this man here, when he connects with these guys, there's a, a, a divine connection that happens when you're still expecting, even after unrealized expectation, after unrealized expectation, after 40 years. Then Peter said to him, silver or gold, I don't have. In other words, I don't have any money on me. But what I do have, I give you. I've got something. It's not what you're expecting, but you're expecting something. So I'm going to give you something based on your expectation. I'm going to give you what I have. I don't have money. That's what you're expecting. But I'm going to give you something because you're expecting something. So look at me, and I'm going to look at you. I'm not going to walk past and ignore your expectation. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now I stop and I think about this because it's not just this man's expectation that counts. It's also the expectation of Peter and John. They're on their way to church, possibly running late. It's about 3 o'clock. The prayer meeting's probably starting. If we stop and we look at this man and we give him our attention, we're probably going to be late for this meeting, and we don't want that because people are expecting us to be there. I'm expected to be there. I'm expected maybe to lead it. I'm certainly expected to pray. I'm, I'm expected. I'm expected. I've got my agenda. It's set. But this man's expectation is interrupted my expectation, but I still have an expectation that someone in me can meet this man's expectation. And so he says to him, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Wouldn't you like that to be your testimony of people that are expecting and look at the progression here of what happened. I think it's really amazing because, firstly, there had to be people. People are always involved in meeting expectations because that's who God uses. There had to be people that brought the beggar there, the lame man, to beg. The man had to, had to show up to beg for this miracle to happen. He had to be begging. Peter and John had to be going past that man for this miracle to happen. Then they had to look at the man. The man had to look back at them. And then Peter uh, addressed him. And then look at this. And then taking him by the right hand. I love the specifics of the Bible. Not the left hand, but the right hand. 
taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. He didn't make the guy get up on his own. He didn't wave a, a wand over the man's head and say, oh, get up, be healed, and we're on our way to the prayer meeting. He reached down. He took the man by the right hand. He helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. But now the man has to do something here. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them. Three more actions on this man's part into the temple courts. Look at this, walking and jumping and praising God. That is amazing. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to see such a thing happen. I have, but it's not common every day kind of thing. I wish it was, but over the course of my years of, of, of ministry that are approaching uh, 35, 40 years, I, I've, I've, I've witnessed this kind of thing before. And it's pretty amazing. And this is how it happens in uh, chapter 3, again, verse 16. This is how the man was healed. By faith. Everybody say this, by faith. faith. You know, a lot of us don't want to use that word faith. We kind of default, we renege. Based on unrealized expectations, we back off as if faith is some kind of a cruel word from a cruel God that faith would have anything to do with this miracle. Are you telling me that, that the reason is I didn't have enough faith or they didn't have enough faith or there wasn't any faith? I'm not telling you anything. I'm just reading what the Word of God says, how the guy got healed by faith. By faith. Not doubt, not unbelief, not expecting nothing. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know. Everybody knew this guy. They knew his name. I, I picture this man as kind of a chatty guy that got to know everybody. He wasn't down necessarily in his attitude, his demeanor. He was down physically. He was low to the ground, but I believe that he was probably the cheerful beggar. Everybody, everybody knew him. Everybody saw him. They, they knew him. And it says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, it's amazing how faith and hope, because remember the title of this message is, go ahead, get get your hopes up. It's amazing the relationship between faith and hope, between expectation and faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, a very familiar uh, scripture for, for anybody that's been a Christian long enough, and it says this, it defines what faith is. Remember, it's by faith in the name of Jesus this man got healed. Now faith is now, not tomorrow, not yesterday, now. We, we establish now as present tense. Now faith is the substance of what? The substance of things hoped for, not things not hoped for. If you don't have any hope, you've got no basis for faith. I know that sounds just terrible, Pastor Ed. Are you telling me if I've lost hope that I've lost faith? Well, yeah. Hope is is such a critical part of faith that you need to get your hopes up if you're going to get faith at all in any situation that you might be facing right here in life. Now, what if that man would have asked for healing? 
instead of money. Would he have gotten healing? Absolutely. The fact was, though, he didn't expect healing. He got healing. He got more than he expected. But what he was actually expecting, what he actually had hope in, which led to faith, was money. You might even say this if you didn't look at this from maybe a different perspective and just pull back from the picture and have a, 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 a POV point of view that's a little bit different from the one that we normally would take. He was expecting money. He didn't get it, but he got healing. I beg to differ. He was expecting money, and he got more money than he would have ever gotten had they put their loose change in his hand on that day. Because of healing now, this man, and I don't know the rest of the story, perhaps when we get to heaven, we'll get to meet the guy and say, hey, you know, what you got your healing? What did you do with your life? Well, I always wanted to play professional cricket, and so my chance came, and I made millions of denarii. Playing cricket. The man got a job, no doubt. The man was, had the ability to work, no doubt. The man had the ability to make more money than what he would have made. His answer, what he was expecting, actually did come in, just not the way that he expected it. How many times do we check out on God? How many times have you said, well, it didn't work, and go right back to your unrealized expectation, backing off, getting your, not getting your hopes up, because that hurt last time I got my hopes up. It really hurt, so I'm not doing that again. No, no, Pastor Ed. I don't care what you preach about this message. I've lived that. That's just terrible. It led me into depression because I had my hopes up, and then my hopes went down. I went to a meeting with a faith healer there, and didn't get healed or whatever, whatever. The prayer chain, the church, everybody was praying, and whatever, whatever happened. And so we tend to go to our default when it comes to this, that God's delay is not God's, no, something like that. Uh, well, it just isn't God's will, full stop. I beg to differ. How do you know how God's going to answer? And God's, God answers more, not less. If this man would have asked for healing, he would have got healing for sure. But God's not limited to what the man actually asked for because my Bible says, and we'll get to that scripture, that our God is able to give us immeasurably beyond what we can even imagine or ask for. That's our God. So don't limit God by backing off of expectation and not having any hope is not the answer because faith is the substance of things hoped for. This man was healed by faith, which means this man had hope. There's a few hand claps out there. That's good. I'll take it little bit of enthusiasm on that. See, hope says there's more when your situation says there's less. When you expect to receive, you move your promise closer to a probability than ever before. To expect means this. It means to regard as probable, to look forward to, expectation, definition, a feeling of anticipation. Hope, an expectation of something desired. Did the man get money? Absolutely. He got a job. He had a way of making money now. I like to say this, that hope is the rope of faith that you can hold on to. 
that while, while you're believing God, and you may not think I've got a lot of faith in this right now, but if you've got hope, there's a rope that you can grab a hold of and just hang on to your hope. Ha- hang on to your expectation. Keep anticipating with pleasure. Something's happening here. I- I'm believing my God. I'm not going to let go of this. It doesn't look like the circumstances say I'm diminishing. You're shrinking back. You're getting denied things. But if you've got hope, you've got a rope to hang on to. And so grab a hold of that rope and let that rope pull you into a position of faith. I like what the American civil rights leader, Whitney Young, said. He said, it's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. What happens if I get my hopes up and it doesn't happen? Well, are you any worse off? Really? Yes, you've got to deal with internal disappointment and issues. But God has got something to work with if you just keep expecting God to answer how, I don't know. When, I don't know. What's he going to do? How's he going to do it? It's all up to God. It's not up to me to do that. I remember when I was in so, so much severe pain from injuries and things that affected my, my neck, and I had uh, two bulged discs in my neck that were protruding into the cervical spine, which was just sending uh, incredible pain. I had everyday migraines, just constant. It was just go to bed with it, wake up with it, take oxycodone and other stuff to try to numb it, but it didn't work, to be honest with you. It was just my life was miserable. It started when I was working as an accountant here on the Sunshine Coast, hunched over, and I would just get these massive headaches to where I wasn't even present. And it it just went on and on and on. But I never lost hope. I never lost the expectation that someday, somehow, some way, I don't know how, I'm going to be rid of this horrible thing, and it's not going to be when I go to heaven. It's going to be before that while I'm on earth. I I never lost hope. Uh, focus of the fact that faith is a rope that I can grab a hold of. And eventually, if I hang on to that and pull on that rope, that rope will pull me into a place of faith. How that's going to happen, I really didn't know. And it was several years, probably 20 years at least, that I had this. It was so easy and so tempting to check out of the ministry. I was, you know, working full-time as an accountant and pioneer in this church. And it was a busy time. We were renovating our house, and I was just in so much pain and so much agony every day. But I never lost hope. And I remember I saw something, I read something about disc replacement and surgery. I went in, got some surgery, long story short, but uh, it was the wrong <laughs> surgery for what I needed. There's orthopedic surgeons and neurosurgeons. I got the wrong one. And uh, they debulge the disc, but it's like letting air out of a tire, I found out later, that just brings the disc closer together, shrinks the space where the nerves are. And so it worked for a little bit. I I thought, this is great, you know, thank you, God. But the pain was even worse when it came back. But I, I remember there was still just a flame of hope in my heart. There's still an expectation. I've been denied 
the way I thought it was going to happen didn't happen. This, is, this was very real because I still felt called to ministry. I still felt called to pastor the church. I didn't feel like it was my time. I was, I was still a lot younger than I am now. And so I decided I was going to go to the Internet and look things up and discover how. And I, look, I did have hands laid upon me. I did not get a miracle instantly. That did not defer me. Uh, my hope did not make my heart sick in that area. I kept on believing God. And I remember going to the Internet and just studying and looking up and listening to te- hearing testimonies, looking at diagrams. I probably became more informed than a, than a surgeon. At the end of the day, I could spot what was going on, MRIs and all that. And, and I finally located somebody that made sense to me, went in and had the operation done, and uh, two discs, one replaced, the other one fused, have not hindered my movement at all, took the pain away immediately, and from that time until now, I've been pain-free in that area. That doesn't mean much to you. If you've never been in chronic pain, you probably doesn't mean much, but if you are or you have been, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You'll do anything to get off of that because it rides you and it doesn't leave you alone. It truly is like a biting monkey on your back. We are geared up to hope. Human beings are geared for expectation. I like this quote from a book called The Wizard of Ads, ADS, by Roy Williams. He says this. He says, the human body contains nearly 100 billion sensory receptors. These are receptors in our skin, in our, our, human, in our body, which allow us to see, to hear, to taste, to feel, to smell, and to deal with our physical world, our reality. It's why you can feel pain even because of these 100 million 100 million, that's a lot, sensory receptors. But the human brain contains 10,000 billion synapses to allow you to dream and to think and to imagine. You are approximately 100,000 times better equipped to experience a world that does not exist called hope in a future and expectation than one that does exist. That's our God. That's how God made us. He made us with the ability to dream, to have a future, to have a hope, not just to experience, well, it is what it is. I'm just a realist, Pastor Ed. Well, that's fine. But get out of that world and start to use that 100,000 times better uh, equipment that God has given you and step into a realm where you can have hope and you can dream, even if you have had your dreams crushed or unrealized expectations. Step out of it. Have you ever been tired uh, uh, of things to the point where you just want to give up? I have. I told you about one. That's just one of many things times in my life where I've had to step out of that, get out of the sense realm, get out of calling things that are as though they are, and do what Abraham said and call things which be not as though they are. Let God grab grab a hold of that rope that God offers called hope, and God will take you into a place of faith. It may not be exactly how you thought. I didn't think my healing would come through the hands of a surgeon, but it did, and I don't care. 
to be honest, to be pain-free is God's goal, and that's my goal. And I'm so thankful. It doesn't matter the method. I don't have enough pride in me to, to bicker and, and to complain about how God did it. Why didn't you just do it, you know, through the, the laying on of hands and the anointing of oil? I did, he says, you shall recover. Now let that recovery start, and don't put a limit on that. But keep your hopes up. You've got to get your hopes a lot higher. I, I believe I'm preaching to somebody here this morning that maybe you've lost all hope in an area. Maybe your expectation forever get in a house. You're just going to rent forever. Maybe it's your expectation you're never going to have a baby. Maybe it's your expectation I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to get a promotion. I'm never going to get a job. Whatever that is, your hope right now needs to be rekindled and fire back up on the inside of you. Grab a hold of the rope that God's handing you this morning. Amen. You ever tried to give somebody something and they won't take it? You see something that you know, oh, they're going to love this. It could be a birthday present. And you get all excited about it. Oh. You get it gift-wrapped. You've spent all this time. You've researched whatever that is, and, and you think, man, this is going to, they are going to love this. One of my favorite places to go to when I'm in New York City, and it's where my son works for Apple there. They've got one of their biggest stores in, in Grand Central Terminal. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's a pretty famous landmark in, in New York City. And... When I go there, there are a lot of beggars there. If you go down into the food area, there's food courts. If you use the restroom down there, there's beggars everywhere in Grand Central. And I remember looking at this, this man, this particular man. It was in the middle of winter. It was freezing cold. And I thought to myself, man, I've got probably $50, $60 greenbacks in my pocket here. I can make that man's life heaven right now because there's food everywhere. He just can't get to it. He doesn't have any money. This guy wasn't begging. He was just sitting there. They tend to take over some of the tables there with friends. They've got cardboard boxes that they're going to use later as their makeshift house. When they get outside, they get kicked out. They have to go back on the street and beg and try to survive another brutal winter night. And I'm looking at this man, and he's kind of not, he's trying to sleep because he's probably stayed up all night so he doesn't get mugged, beat up or whatever. And there was so much mercy on the inside of me. How can I, I'm sitting here chomping on this burrito, whatever it was. I've got all this money in my pocket. And here's this poor beggar. He's not even begging. I've got the wherewithal to feed him really, really well. So I did what I didn't really want to do. I woke him up and I asked him, I said, I really uh, believe that there's a meal for you waiting right now. Would you come with me, and would you join me for a meal? I didn't say I want to give you a meal. I, I felt he wasn't the kind of guy that wanted a handout. So I just asked him, I said, would you join me in, in, in the line up there? Would you join me for, for a meal? And he looked at me, and his face lit up, and he said, yeah. <laughs> But he was worried about his stuff. And so Gail was there, and she watched the guy's stuff. And we got up and got in line and went over to this particular um, place that, that, that sold, like, stew or soups and things like that. 
and the person that was serving the food knew this man and, and uh, the staff there. They could not thank me enough. They were just like, God bless you. Thank you so much. And this, I said, he said, well, what, what should I get? I said, get whatever you want and as much as you want. This is like Christmas for you, buddy. Uh, we can pay for it, no problem at all. So he did. He, lo- he loaded it up, loaded up and, and went back and, you know, sat at his, at his table. And I'll never forget the feeling of that. It was honestly, it was like the best feeling. I can't help it right now. Even, you know, just thinking about it makes me just want to cry with joy. It was the best feeling in the whole world. It was better than whatever I got or looking at landmarks, whatever, whatever, whatever. And watching him enjoy that and just, he, he looked at me and he said, God bless you, sir. And I'm, I'm like, man, he already has. Went back, Gail and I ate. And then the next day we went back to Grand Central because we were just visiting our son on his breaks. And I thought, that was such a good experience. I really want to experience that again. So I'm like, God, show, God showed me to walk up to him. And I'm like, God, just show me. Who do you want to bless today? And really thinking, who do I want to get blessed from today? Because it really is more blessed, not less blessed. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. If you have not been on the giving blessing end, you have not lived, my friend. You need to get start blessing. We're going to have an offering later. Start with the offerings. Just start getting to bless people is an amazing experience. It's far greater. So I'm looking around. I'm like a blessing junkie looking, looking around. Who can I, how can I get another fix of this? This is amazing. And, and so I picked somebody. I walked up, same kind of general area down the food courts. And, and I looked at him. I said, uh, excuse me, what do you want? <laughs> Go away. Leave me alone. I just want to give you some food. I don't want anything that you got. Just leave me alone. And they yelled at me really angry, like, you say one more word, I'm going to get up this, off this table here. We're going, to, we're going to have a fight here. I'm like, I just want to give you some food. Leave me alone. And I walked away. I went from, the, from euphoria the previous day <laughs> to the worst feeling. I tried to give somebody something. I tried to bless somebody, and they would not take my blessing. Friends, how do you think God feels when you knock him back? Do you realize that God's pleasure is in blessing you? And this question came to me several weeks ago, and I'm going to give it to you. Who do you think you are? to say no to God. Who do you think you are to say no to what God wants to do for you? Who do you think you are? I had that feeling toward this man. I thought, who do you think you are? He exercised his sovereign right to not be blessed and not receive, but it also meant that I was denied the privilege and the pleasure There are people in your life that you can and should say no to. God's not one of them. There are people in your life that you don't want what they got. 
but God's not one of them. Would you trust God enough to say yes and to let God rekindle the hope and the expectation in you? Would you be obedient enough to say yes to your Savior, to let him save you, not just from eternal hell and not going to heaven, but would you, when he lowers the rope called hope into your life, and I believe it's being lowered right now, would you grab a hold of that rope and not be so wrapped up in what ifs that it doesn't happen, I'm going to feel real bad? Would you get past and pushed past that and not push back on God and grab a hold of that? Some of you need, you need to get a better job. You need that pay rise so you can be more of a blessing to people. You need to be healed, at least make a step in that direction so that you can be even more of a contributor without any condemnation to anybody that's sick or not healed. I want to say this, that God wants you to be blessed so that you can bless other people. We know that to be a blessing, you need to be blessed. Why would you deny God such a blessing? And we're out of time. I'm going to continue this message because I haven't exhausted it next week. So I really encourage you, between now and next week, some homework. Just a few things to think about. What have, you, what have you shut down in your life when it comes to hope and expectation? What have you stopped even believing in? And perhaps it's even a belief in God or a hope of salvation or a hope of eternity. What is it right now where the ember, the flame has just gone out? or it's very, very low. And God's got a solution for that. The oil of his Holy Spirit in your lamp will ignite into a flame that will give you a powerful expectation that all things are possible through God, who I believe for. I am not going to shut this. I'm not going to let this thing go out. I'm not letting passion and the flame of passion and hope and expectation be squashed by my circumstances, by well-meaning people that tell me not to get my hopes up. I am going to get my hopes up starting this morning. I am going to start expecting far more than what I've ever expected before. I'm grabbing hold of God's rope, and I'm going to let God pull me into a place of faith. If that's you this morning, I want you to give the Lord a shout. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net. Or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.